Hey, gang, you know what's on my mind more than deleting all the annoying kids shows that show up in my YouTube watch history from over quarantine? Better marketing decisions. Yep, that's right. That's why I'm so excited to be supported by my friends at PureCars, who put the power of data and superior information into the hands of dealers where it belongs. Use PureCar to make better marketing decisions and get better results. Visit PureCars.com to get a free, no-risk, no-obligation digital strategy analysis today. That's PureCars.com. Hey gang, welcome to this episode of The Dealer Playbook, a podcast that explores what it takes to create a thriving career right here in the retail auto industry. I'm your host, Michael Cirillo, delighted to be joined by my pal, Matt. He's the author of The Human Cloud. He's going to share ways to help your business scale efficiently in probably an unorthodox way. All right, I'm excited about this. CEO of Venture L helping people expand their businesses in ways they probably aren't thinking of, right? We always think that a body is better than nobody. And that leads organizations to just like hiring whoever, wherever. Like, oh, you know, my my babysitter when I was growing up knows how to post on Instagram. And so we're going to just bring her in and or whatever. But you have a very different vantage point. And I want to, I guess, you know, you've worked with some really large organizations, Microsoft and, and, you know, what, what was your journey like going from, I guess, what I want to say, like corporate America to where you're at now? Yeah. The the inevitable corporate America that I think everyone should experience. And some people (laughs) might like it, but just personally wasn't my cup of tea. So no, I I started freelancing by accident. Actually, I was a a poor college student that needed money and I couldn't do a full-time job. So I just walked to my small town asking every business owner, how can I help? They said, I don't know. You tell me. I said, I can do research. I'm good at Google and I have a business major. So let me find some competitors or let me just do a bunch of research for you. And those were my first clients. And then it would turn into, from a dealership perspective, I think one interesting thing is how do you reinvent your business model uh, or add other features or other options? And so one of my favorites was, it was a manufacturing company that started a private equity firm because of the insights that we uncovered. So Started doing freelancing that way and then jumped. I still believed that I had to go corporate America. So I did go work at a big four accounting firm, realized, oh my God, work is not going to look like this in the next five to 10 years slash if it does, I'm out. And so jumped headfirst back into freelancing, both freelancing myself, but then I also kind of love software. So building a lot of the tools behind it, uh, which kind of was interesting. I was sitting on the fence. I was saying, okay, companies, this is how to hire freelancers, freelancers, this is how to win your clients. And so, yeah, so it's been kind of an organic curiosity driven career where most recently was helping the largest fortune 500 companies take their spend, meaning instead of spending on agencies or full-time employees, spending multi-millions of dollars on freelancers. Wow. Did you, how many, maybe this is just my crazy brain. Do you think, or how many people do you think turned you down when you were introducing this concept in 2020 went, Eureka! Don't get me started. I, I got dumped for it. My parents thought I was an Uber driver. I, I was freelancing. Uh, I would tell people that I was going to the coffee shop to hang out, yet I'd be freelancing. 
So like up until last year, everyone was like freelance. That's so ridiculous. I'll never forget. I had a, had a, a relationship where the girlfriend's parents were like, he can't take care of you. He's doing this crazy entrepreneurship freelancing thing where he doesn't have, he's never going to have money for you. And, uh, and then, yeah, this year all of a sudden everyone's like, wow, you got lucky. Like, no slash like finally the stuff that we've been telling you about, but no, yeah, I, I worked so hard. Luck found me. Yeah. And to be honest, like I actually didn't want the attention. We were doing fine as an industry. We were great. Clients loved us. Freelancers loved freelancing. Right. We didn't need the spotlight. So now actually a lot of the problems we do have been accelerated and, and uh, sort of discovered because of the, the heightened demand. Yeah. It's interesting too. I think there, there's a stigma around freelancing in that people automatically go, well, I tried a VA. I tried a virtual assistant. And I think it's important to make a distinction that virtual assistant, yes, while it could fall under the umbrella, that doesn't necessarily encompass the scope, the, the broad scope of what freelancers are out there doing, right? Yeah, I like to say a freelancer is someone that is so talented that they will trade a full-time salary with benefits to do it on a contractual basis. And when you look at freelancers, there is, it is a little bit of a dumbbell economy, meaning you have the best and you have the worst. When we talk about the worst, and, and when I say worst, probably not the right word, but we'll say low, more of the, the VA, right? So it is super cheap and there's a bunch of solutions out there to go hire a bunch of VAs. I don't consider that freelancing. I consider freelancing a CMO, like an outsourced CMO or an outsourced VP and incredible SEO experts, incredible developers, designers, you name it. And like I said, they're so damn good that they realize they can make more money and have the freedom and flexibility of working on their own instead of going and working at a company. Yeah. What's interesting about this, I mean, you and I were talking beforehand, and this is really kind of the, the, the way we like our clients to almost think of us. I don't like being thrown. Agency, man, when, when I, even when the word agency comes out of my mouth, yes, technically as a corporation, we're an agency, but more so the way we've positioned you know, with, with our client bases, no, we're, we are your virtual marketing manager. We are your virtual marketing team. And because of that, we're able to navigate in a much more unregulated way so that we have our clients back, that we have their best interests. And, and we essentially become the freelance agency for them in that we source the talent, we vet the talent, we find the right people for the job, et cetera, et cetera, because we know well, wait, you're busy selling cars. You're, bu you're busy trying to think about your business. You're busy doing the things you are good at that you have experience and wisdom in. Um, but we do see, Matt, like to, to, this, to this narrative, we are seeing a lot of dealerships who have been burned by the traditional agency who are answering to a higher power and therefore can't really balance having the, the client's best interest at heart. And so that puts a bad taste in everybody's mouth that they're trying to do it all themselves. I need to build my own um, social media department. I need to build my own tech stack. I need to build my own, which is so very costly. And then you're getting into the nuances of building out employment and, and employee opportunities in a field you have not. You're essentially starting a whole new business within a business. So let me ask you this, when it come, because you mentioned like outsourcing your CMO, your chief marketing officer or developers or social media, like whatever it is that the needs are, yeah. what do you say to the business owner that goes, huh, I, I, you know, this is actually an interesting concept, like in, in, increase the gene pool. My hiring pool increases, you know, I can go anywhere in the world now. 
what mechanisms do you suggest having in place whereby they can vet the right talent for the job? Because if I go yeah. to Upwork, for example, everybody looks like they're qualified to do the work. Yeah. So this is a good question. And actually, we it's funny. I was working with a client last night on this exact question. And it starts off by saying, where do you find the right talent? And then second is, how do you actually hire and work with that talent, which are two separate questions. So, and I think the higher level, right, is why are you doing this? Because why are you hiring a freelancer is the same intention as why you're hiring an agency? Because you either can't or you shouldn't do this internally. And there's good things about full-time employees, right? I mean, put it this this way. If something breaks and you have a full-time employee, they fix it at 2 a.m. If it's a freelancer, you better make sure that it was in the scope of the contract that you're working in. But so, down to the question of finding and working with. So, in terms of finding the right freelancer, it's also time contingent. What I mean by that is me personally. I mean, I've been doing this for my whole career. So I already have, for the most part, my freelancer database, my freelancer roster. So I no longer go to a marketplace like an Upwork or a Fiverr or a freelancer. Instead, I go to my personal relationships. Now, that doesn't mean that I know every single person for the job. It means that I'm within three degrees of the right person. So mm. if I need a designer, I reach out to my, so here's a perfect example of last week. We needed a PowerPoint designer that was executive level and could take what the client already had and turn it into Davos level material, but then also lead the strategy for uh, go-to-market collateral. That's very, very specific, right? So if you went to a talent marketplace, good luck finding that. But instead, we reached out to one of our designers. They said, I can do this, but I know someone that's better. The third level connection is what brought us the absolute perfect candidate. Now, the actual working with this person, because say you find the right talent, what's different about uh, freelancers is that it's not like a W-2 or an agency where they do most of the work. There still is a lot of, I don't want to say work, but there's an infrastructure required for you. So if I know what I'm hiring for, meaning let's say we're doing a, a website or we're doing a landing page. If I've done this before and I know specifically the cost, the timeline and the comparable things, then I'll lead that project. But if I don't, this is where I actually put the trust into the freelancer themselves, which is no different than when you're working with a, an agency and you're meeting with the partner and you're grabbing lunch and you're scoping out the details. Right. It's no different. So in terms of how to find the right freelancer, me personally, I go by personal connections. When I don't, I do go to an Upwork, but I do have a lot of controls we can talk about in place. And then in terms of hiring and working with, if I know what I'm doing, which I would consider, you know, the cost you know, the timeline and you know, the comparables, then I take ownership over it. But 95% of the time, I actually give it over to the freelancer because the freelancers are the experts too. So I might think that this is worth X, but they know different ways to even frame the, the contract. All right. Before we get any further into this conversation, I want to tell you about an incredible resource to supercharge your sales volume. Now, as many of you know, unless you've been living under a rock, There are lots of marketing companies and services out there who claim to be able to deliver buyers to your online or actual showroom. But I've seen Pure Cars up close, and I got to tell you, I was super impressed. It's the real deal. They connect the dots between your marketing and operations. Pure Cars tools are powerful, and simply put, they work. Whether your goal is to grow market share versus your competitors, turn your inventory faster, increase ROs, or expand your reach. Go to purecars.com to get your free digital strategy analysis and unlock your dealership's true profitability potential. Again, that's purecars.com. And I'm thinking about the the car dealer world specifically who, whether 
they like it or not is is you know a toss up but they move in 30 day cycles the the month yeah. open and the month close um and so I know that can put a burden on the this concept of freelance because you brought up the point of, well, does it fit within the scope of the contract? Things need to be clearly defined. And often we're, we're like chickens with our heads cut off. It's like, no, I need it right now. Oh, my gosh. What do you suggest is the right way to shift or maybe inject more planning? Because, I, I, you know, and correct me if I'm wrong, to work with a freelancer, especially somebody that's not in-house that you can just keep barging in on. Yeah. Um, how do you navigate setting up appropriate expectations and then also, I guess, a communication path so that the the business doesn't feel like they're being forgotten about. Yeah, it comes down to outcomes. Outcome Outcomes are the currency of the freelance economy. And the difference with full-time employment, like you said, is you can always just go into someone's office and say, oh, I forgot about this. Oh, I forgot about this. Or are you checking on this? Whereas in the freelance world, if you don't have the right outcome, you're most likely going to have a crap result. It's the classic input equals output, right? If the input isn't a clearly defined outcome, then the freelancer, even if they're the best freelancer in the world, they're not going to have the expected output. So that's, that's where like 99% of freelance projects go wrong is that there's not a clearly defined outcome from the client. The difference with when you work with an agency is that they have an account manager who's very good at talking to you and they have free lunches and free dinners. And so even if they mess up, they do have quality control in the background. And so instead of giving you an A plus result, they're always going to give you say a B plus or a B, Mm. but they have a lot of controls to make sure that it stays a B versus being an A plus or or an F. Yeah. I think this is fascinating because I'm looking at everyday life equivalents that I think a lot of our listeners would understand. So if you've ever um, ordered something from Uber Eats or Skip the Dishes, you've hired a freelancer. If you've ever, um, you know, Instacart, this is our favorite quarantine. Have somebody else go do my grocery shopping for me. And what you just said made me think of it because this is a freelancer and I have to, I get to grade them on how well of food they bought. And so that, that causes them to want to be able to pick the best produce and communicate during the shopping experience and things of that nature. But it's all working inside of the boundaries. In other words, there's no borders, but there are boundaries and it just works. And then magically two hours later, I, groceries show up at my front door or food shows up at my, but these are freelancers and, and basically yeah. You know, when, when I'm listening to you speak, that's the thought process that comes to my mind. We're already hiring freelancers to do things for us yeah. in, in a context that creates boundaries, not borders. And so it's incumbent upon a business thinking about this in a business context that you have to basically have the same environment where there's boundaries, not borders and clear expectations of the outcome. Yeah. And I would even like, I would, I would step back, right. And say, you know, back to this question of like, why even hire freelancers? So in the end of the day, you got to make money and you want to grow your company. There's two massive things in your way. Either you don't have the time or you don't have the skill. And I would argue that money is just a factor of not having the time. Now, the ways to solve for that, like you mentioned with Instacart, you can go do your groceries. So that's a time constraint that you've hired a freelancer for. What I, where I believe the biggest opportunity is actually in the skill constraint, specifically mm-hmm. things that aren't in your core competency and you now have access to. Because 20 years ago, when you know the world wasn't digital and remote, 
you would have to go hire a McKinsey or a Bain consultant to do this for you. Today, you can go hire someone in New Zealand, Australia, the Midwest and the US, Canada, you name it, and they can be the absolute expert at something that you would have no, uh, no ability to actually tap into them. So one quick example of this, my, one of my favorite stories ever, is a huge motorcycle brand, beloved, have probably the, the best fans ever with the best jean jackets. Now, 21st century, they needed to have a digital experience, but there's no way in this world, they're going to get a bunch of developers that want coconuts at Dolores Park in San Francisco to go move to the Midwest. Right. Yet, they needed to create a rider experience. And this wasn't just a, hey, can you build me a mobile app? This was going to require between 20 and 30 developers, multi-million dollars and multi-years. And so you'd think this is something that, of course, an agency can do or will hire full-time. Instead of having sort of that old mindset of either we're going to hire full-time or an agency, they said, let's tap into freelancers. And so they made sure that they had, I think it was one to two product managers in, in-house, but then literally they had freelancers all around the world building everything out from the actual mobile application, the Bluetooth functionality. And one of my favorite parts of the story was that the, I think it was the Bluetooth developer was actually sitting in Japan, which when you think about why is it that, like why they're sitting in Japan, because what motorcycle developer is also a Bluetooth expert and engineer? <laughs> like, there's just not that many of them. So, yeah, so I would, I would, you know, phrase it in saying, why do you care about freelancers? Because as a business, you got to grow and you got to actually make money. You have time and you have skill up against you. And freelancers, they, they can do both for you. Yeah, I, I just, I love the idea of not being limited. I went through so many phases where I'm like, okay, as a business owner, I'm going to build the next Google campus and we're going to have everybody here and there's going to be chefs making our food and this and that. There's going to be slides all over the place. And while the little kid in me loves that idea of building my own, you know, Willy Wonka chocolate factory, I love the fact, I'm proud of the fact that my entire team is, works remotely. We didn't, I've got team members in Toronto. I've got team members in, you know, Alberta. I've got team members in Utah. I've got, you know, and and it's really ended up creating flexibility that our clients needed because we can reach so many different time zones. If we have clients in Europe, well, guess what? My team in Toronto is only six hours behind, so I can still hit people during the same working day. I can still hit people in the South Pacific because they're a day ahead, but it's their working day. I can still, you know, there's so much flexibility, but, but to your point as well, I'm not limited. I love that when I put a job posting out, I don't have to limit it to Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. I can put a job. I I can recruit and find the best talent that I can find from literally the four corners of the earth and make it work. And I think this limitless is something we have to make sure if you're sitting, if you're listening to this right now, I would argue this is by far the most important benefit of embracing what you could call remote freelance talent. And that is you can do so much with so little. So at an individual level, you can do more than ever before seen possible. And this is one of the things that since I started as a freelancer, I didn't really get actually when I jumped into corporate. So what I know now is that the traditional path of getting power and impact within a corporate environment is you have to have headcount, right? And it's all about you climb the ranks from manager to to VP to GM and you name it and you have 50, you have 100, you have 500 headcount. In a freelance world, it's all about the outcomes, like I said. And so since I was young and poor and had no money, for me, hiring freelancers was just the de facto. And I did things like building university textbooks, building out curriculums, things that were so above my weight. And it was just because I had ability to tap into this collaborative ecosystem. And I remember when I, when I joined Microsoft, 
I had no headcount yet. I had budget for freelancers and we literally scaled up a product from nothing within in under two years. Wow. That's what we all have that potential. Like right. that is, that is the possibility of working with freelancers. And the last thing I'll, I'll leave in, in, in regards to that is it also enables you relationships, which it's going to sound cheesy, right? Like this is not going to be a, let's grab a yoga mat, have a spiritual conversation, but there's something that I love about working with freelancers, being a freelancer, you name it is that the projects end, but the relationship never does. And we've all had the experience. We leave corporate and like 99% of the people that we were dealing with, we no longer talk to. Yet in a freelance environment, I still work with the same freelancers that I did when I started. In fact, we had a mock wedding shoot in Cincinnati one time. The relationships get that deep. Like it's, <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's awesome. So that'd be the one last thing I'd say is the relationships are, are the, my favorite part about working with freelancers. Man, this this is definitely a very thought-provoking conversation and that's why, you know, I'm I'm delighted to have you join me on the show. It's all about thinking big. It's about removing limiting beliefs. It's about um looking at ways to grow efficiently outside of the box of I guess a traditional business model. And so, man, I know you wrote I you wrote a book. How can those listening get a hold of that book and where's the best place for them to connect with you to learn more? Yes. Yeah, so on Amazon, the book's called The Human Cloud. Uh, you can reach out to me via LinkedIn or you can go to humancloudbook.com. Uh, and in terms of uh, what's it called? We, we do have some special discount or not discounts, um, special additional resources. So reach out to me. We have presentations, we have videos, we have an advisory offering. Um, but yeah, humancloudbook.com. Amazing. Matt, thanks so much for joining me on the Dealer Playbook Podcast. Michael Cirillo, and you've been listening to the Dealer Playbook Podcast. If you haven't yet, please click the subscribe button wherever you're listening right now. Leave a rating or review and share it with a colleague. If you're ready to make big changes in your life and career and want to connect with positive, nurturing automotive professionals, join my exclusive DPB Pro community on Facebook. That's where we share information, ideas, and content that isn't shared anywhere else. I can't wait to meet you there. Thanks for listening.